Welcome to a pivotal moment in tennis history, a moment we are living and witnessing right now. Today, we stand on the brink of a revolution, not just in how the game is played, but how it's understood. Five years ago, when we embarked on this project, we anticipated changes, but what's unfolding is far more dramatic and more powerful than we ever imagined. Gone are the days of solely relying on impressionistic methods and the opinions of tennis gurus. We are now in an era where every shot, every point, and every strategic decision is transformed by the unyielding power of data analytics. This isn't just a change, it's a seismic shift that is redefining the very essence of tennis as we know it. As we experience these monumental changes firsthand, we invite you to join us on this groundbreaking journey. Together, let's discover how data analytics is not just influencing, but revolutionizing the world of tennis. So the Arts of Winning is brought to you by Sterling Strother and Dan Travis. This podcast is dedicated to shedding light on the new era of tennis. It looks at the completely new areas and realms of possibility that this era presents us with. Primarily, we examine the battles that will be fought as the player develops competitive intelligence. We ask you to subscribe to the podcast, both on the channels, Apple, Spotify, and Amazon, and subscribe directly to us by visiting www.artofwinningtennis.com. We can help you negotiate your way around this tremendously exciting new era in tennis. Okay, welcome to today's podcast. We're going to talk today about the meaning of the match. This is going to be a really enlightening, I believe, podcast today, Dan, because I think a lot of parents and even coaches and especially players are going to uh, enjoy us talking about something that's very meaningful to every one of us who play tennis or coach tennis or watch our junior players play tennis is where does the meaning of the match actually come from and where could it potentially come from to help us become better competitors? So, well, first of all, welcome this morning, Dan. Good morning. <laughs> I've been so, looking forward to this discussion. I don't know how it's going to, I don't know how it's going to go because it's not, I, it's not, it's not something you usually expect from. Right. Exactly. Oh, I mean, Right, exactly. I think this is something uh, unique for us. So it, it is something that we talk about in the book. We talk about the meaning of a match in the section uh, called discussion for the geek section, which was something we came up with to sort of explain some of the very technical sort of analytical things about um, expanding your competitive intelligence. So I want to start off by saying, Dan, that Pierce and I went to Alabama this past weekend and we played in the Southerns. And for those outside the U.S., the U.S. is divided up into sections. So like Florida has its own section because there's so many players there. Texas, California, these states have their own sections because they're so huge and have so many players there. The Southern section is actually of the United States is actually made up of nine states. 
Okay, so from North Carolina down to Alabama, Mississippi, Louisiana, South Carolina, Georgia, all the states in the southern part of the U- the U.S. So uh, quite a quite a great representation of junior players across nine states. So we were there. It's a 128 player draw over four days. So Pierce made it into the tournament. We were pretty excited about just the journey down there. We did stop through Atlanta and spent a couple of days with Coach Chuck Tomlin, who developed the congruent tennis method. And we spent some time on Pierce's serve. And I'll I'll have to say we will have to do a podcast on that one particular. And like I said, we may want to pull Chuck in on this one. Chuck has very developed a very unique thing about uh, the serve. He calls it the serve code. And he's also developed the concepts of fading and drawing the ball. So it was amazing. I, I'll, I won't go into any great detail, but I will say that basically Pierce increased his serve about 10 miles an hour. No. Yes. So he was dropping about 110. I thought you were going to say something like, like three or four miles. No, 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 <laughs> no, 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 it was legitimate. I have it on film. I've never seen Pierce be able to move the ball or shape the ball the way he did. He usually shaped the ball about a foot and a half, two feet. He was shaping the ball about five feet. So it was pretty impressive. I was actually impressed by how Chuck was able to explain some things that I was like, Chuck, why haven't I seen this? And he goes, Sterling, we can't see everything. <laughs> so, <laughs> so I believe this was a very important. You're not uh, omnipotent then. No. Oh, well, oh, of course. Oh, oh, uh, let's face yeah. it, you do come close. Oh, come on. Well, well, look, we all want to believe that we see everything and we can do everything. At least I feel like I can do that, but it's not true at all. And I, I think this is the power of collaborating with other coaches and really opening ourselves up to listening to other coaches that have, have experience and actually get results, right? So Chuck, he has two older sons. They're out of college now, but both of his sons, by the, when they were seniors in high school, could serve upwards of 125 and legit. So, and they put radar guns on this. So this was legit. One of his sons could serve about over 140. So now they didn't serve that all the time, obviously, because you start getting into, up into those speeds and the shape of the ball kind of disappears. You're hitting it more straight and flat, but it's pretty, pretty tough. But anyway, The meaning of the match. Actually, Pierce and I talked a lot about this together as we went down there because it was a pretty long drive we drove. But we also talked about it after his matches and what he felt like that match meant to him. Now, this was very interesting. I I do want to say this before we really dive into this topic today. We did something unique this time. So we did not discuss the player he was playing, we did not discuss what their ranking was nationally. We did not discuss what their UTR was. So he went into these matches sort of blind, if you will, in respect to he didn't know what the player in front of him was ranked in the nation, and he didn't know their UTR. And I think the reason why we wanted to do this is we wanted to treat every match as a tough match because every match is tough. Okay. When you start getting up into this type of level in the US, L3 and above, everyone's good. Everyone can hit the ball. Everyone 
has a level of competitive intelligence. So you shouldn't take any match for granted. And we saw as the as the tournament went on, you had lower ranked ma- uh, players beating higher ranked players. And, and so really the ranking is really due to the point system. So if you play a lot of tournaments, if you go deep in a tournament, obviously you're earning more points. So obviously your ranking is going to go, you know, we say lower, higher, you know, it's, 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 it, it's getting better, right? So it's not necessarily indicative of where you are right now. And so Pierce went in with um, a low ranking, you know, he's in the thousands, if you will. And he's literally competing and giving, almost winning against, you know, 200 in the nation. He's beating 400 in the nation. 600 in the nation, right? And so if you look at rankings, you're going to probably be surprised because someone that may have a high ranking, it may be a four specific reason. For instance, Pierce was injured last year and it took him, he was out of play, a competitive play for three months. So his ranking tanked, right? Because he's not playing, but he was increasing his ability to his competitive intelligence and his, his, his just his ability to compete. So I think that's one of the things that we found was was really awesome because Pierce went into every match with sort of these beginning the match the same way. Get on them, be aggressive, know what your patterns are, execute them to the best of your ability, and don't let go of the player. Like keep the tension. Uh, we described it like get on them like a pit bull and don't let go. Just keep the match close, keep the points close, and let's see what happens. And he was extremely competitive. He he ended up he was three and two. He won three matches. He lost two. So he played the full five maximum matches, unless you were in the semifinals and finals, you played seven. But he played the the most matches he could play and and lose and losing a couple, yeah. right? So I think the meaning of the match for him was like this. I'm going to go into this match. I'm going to look at the player in front of me and I'm going to play this player in front of me today, right? What do I need to do to make this player's life miserable? How do I be extremely competitive? How do I recognize the, it's going to be close? And it was, I mean, pra- practically every single game went to 30 off, right? And he played uh, a player that was 235 in the nation who ended up being in the semifinals of the main draw, he almost beat this kid. I mean, he was right there. The kid was dropping. I mean, that kid was dropping probably 120 mile an hour serves. And Pierce was just redirecting those returns back through the middle deep and getting into the point. And that was the idea was to get into the point and do some damage with your shots and then redirect when you need to and come forward when you get the short ball and come to the net and don't be scared, don't be afraid. And I think him not having in his head what the player was ranked and what their UTR was really helped him engage in the match, in the moment of the match. So yeah, so the meaning of the match, you have to describe, you have to define this meaning of the match because like you're going to talk about today and I'm going to ask you some questions the, ma- the meaning of the match can be defined by lots of different ways and different people. And so I want to start then by saying, you know, Dan, what is 
Can you describe what is the meaning of a match? Yeah, I mean, the reason that's that's a difficult question to to answer is because it is, by its very nature, a very subjective process. Because what a match means to you, Sterling, is different if, you know, and I'm your opponent, it's going to mean different things to me. And then there's going to be several different types of meaning happening simultaneously, okay? Even within the same player. Because it, it, people say, oh, it means different things on different levels. And sometimes they say that. I mean, not, not all the time, as we'll discuss. But, you know, when you do think about this, it does require thought. That's, that's, that's what I'm getting at here, right? The meaning really can only occur, the meaning of a match can only occur after it's been played, yeah. right? So I think really what might be more accurate to say is, look, there are several meanings to this. Right, we can interpret it in several ways before the match, and then it's just as important to determine, you know, what the match meant after it's been played, because the playing of a competitive sport produce spontaneously produces its own meaning. That's why a sport like tennis, a competitive sport like tennis, is different from a leisure activity and let's say you go running for example you might have your own time you might want to beat that but that doesn't produce the same meaning in the same way that a contest does between between two players in the competitive sport and you don't have a lot of control over the meaning process when it's when it's being when it's being made or produced in the contest itself so there's several phases to the meaning of the match. There is the meaning before the match, what it might mean for other people, but also there's a historical aspect to it, right? This match is going to be, you know, it's not just an isolated match. It's going to sit in a series of matches that you've been playing and you've got a history of matches. That's going to, that's going to heavily influence what the forthcoming match is going to mean. And it almost... It, it kind of contextualize it. And then you've got your, your goals and your ambitions and what you want to be achieving and, um, and, and how you improve. So there's a meaning. So the meaning will be influenced by those considerations as well. Whether or not those are different meanings in themselves, that's, you know, that's something you can think about. Um, but in general, you've got the past, the, the present, the right now, and the future will determine the meaning. And you know, it does need to be discussed between matches. So you're looking at the meaning of the match that you've just played. Obviously, you want to talk about it beforehand too. Then the reason you want to discuss what the meaning of the match is after you've played it is because you've got another match coming up. And that previous match and your your understanding of what that match meant for you will be, you know, it's carried over as possible. We discussed the legacy, haven't we? The legacy issue. That's carried over into the next match as well. So there's a continuity there's a continuity of meaning, okay, through matches. And that's that's how I understand. That's why I want you to do it. So when I get people to conceive of meaning, perhaps the perhaps the title that I that I that I've given is somewhat misleading here. Um, you'll have to forgive me. But it's not just the meaning of a single match that we want to be discussing. There is that broad, how, how does this 
fit in. And, and, and dialogue is a great way of determining what um, what that is. So when you're speaking to Pierce, you know, that, that dialogue will, will help set the tone yes. and set the thinking for future matches. So there is that continuity there. That's an interesting point. And I, I kind of knew that intuitively, but when I heard you say it, you know, Pierce and I decided that there would be a, a sort of theme of how he would think about going from match to match. And it would be the objectives were f- very similar, no matter what, who he played, right? From round to round. And because of his objectives were clear and they were, there was a theme to them. Okay. I'm going to go in and I'm going to start out aggressive with my patterns and then feel that out. He, I saw him in, increase his competitive intelligence and his abilities, his ball striking increased incrementally every match he played. And even though his physical strength was, was decreasing after every match, because obviously it does, you sort of, you get fatigued from match to match and you try to recover as much as you possibly can between matches, but you're never going to go back to that hundred percent like you were going into the first match. Of, of the tournament. So by the second day, he's going in, he's played two matches, he's a bit fatigued, but he still maintained that level of intensity because that's what he had decided was his purpose, right? And so you could see the continuity between matches as he carried that, that competitive idea of, you know, going after his serve, right? And not holding back on the second serve. He was getting after that as well and and understanding he's going to redirect when he needs to and he's going to continue to build these patterns and see the openings that come. And it was really awesome. I think it's probably, it is the best tournament he's ever played to date because we we sort of talked about the meaning of what that match just meant to him, right? And I, I, I revealed to him what the UTR of the player was and what the ranking was. And he was, he was like, oh, okay. So it was like this realization of, oh, okay, that's what it looks like. That's what it feels like. And he said it, did, it wasn't much difference, Dad. It's like there wasn't, you know, they, they played, they had different strengths and weaknesses, kind of, but they were very subtle. And everyone had that ability to stay in the match, right? And not just give up. So would you say then that um, the meaning of, of, the, of tennis matches will differ from player to player? Because I think you started out the first question like that. Can you expand on that? Why yeah. that would be? I think that's part of the meaning of the meaning, really, is that it is, it's, it's got that subjective feature to it. And the problem is that, or part of the problem is that there's this misconception that, well, look, I'll put it this way. If I'm playing you, Sterling, most players will, will, will think, think that the match means the same to me as it does to you, even though the consequences of you winning or, or, or me winning may differ. It's kind of, we, we don't make, we don't make that calculation. No one really makes that calculation. What's it mean to him? What's it mean to me? So it's, but it, you, you can see the assumption is with players is that, that it will, it, it's the match itself is generating the meaning, right? 
rather than we generate the meaning. Because Pierce was right, it's not that different. Match to match is not that different, but we generate it. And if we go into matches, we assume it means the same for my opponent. Right. That's an interesting point because some players would go into the match and they're like, this is a big match for me. And the other players going, you know, this is a, you know, it's important to me, but I'm playing this match because I want to do X, Y, Z. You know, I'm looking, I'm looking to get this out of this match. Right. And, and it's interesting too. Like I could see like the reaction from some of Pierce's opponents. They may have looked at his ranking. And they looked at their own ranking and they're going, oh, so this is not going to take very long. And halfway through the first set, you can see on their, their, their demeanor changed. And they're like, oh, wait a minute. This is much more difficult than I assumed it would be. And so you say that the meaning of a match can actually change inside of a player's head as they play the match because they go in with a certain perception, but they soon find out that their perception was distorted. Like we've talked about in other areas of the art of winning, having a distorted perception. Do you think players can have a distorted perception going into a match? They think it's going to go this way because they've kind of studied their yeah. opponent or they've. I mean, let, let, let me say first that I do love that the way you put, put this as a theme. That's a really good way of putting it, I think. Like a book, you know, you've got, you got the chapter. I like to refer to phases and meanings changes. Meaning is dynamic. I think most people treat it as a static thing that exists independently of our of our thinking. So meaning is meaning is always an interpretation in the way I approach it. It's an inter- subjective interpretation of a match, whether that's conscious or unconscious. What I'm suggesting is that we move it to, more towards the conscious side, but without quantifying it in a narrow and pointed way. So, for example, you can see that narrow and pointed way becoming problematic when you're talking about ranking. Now, ranking has meaning when it shouldn't. That's interesting. I, I totally agree with that one. That's one area. We'll, we, we'll get to this a little bit later on, I think. But when you've got the, the meaning's kind of like this moving, it's a kind of like a target that moves and it's a focus for us, okay? That we. You know, we take it from the world and, you know, what happens in a match, we go back and forth in our heads. So it's constantly dynamic and changing. And it moves from us being totally unaware of the meaning and we just accept what our coach tells us it means without thinking about it or our parents tell us it means. You know, you get that scenario where that, that happens all the time, where the meaning is determined for you by, you know, you, you know dad says, well, this match means blah, blah, blah. And the child goes, okay, that's what it means. Thank you. Thank you for deciding that for me. And that's on one end where it's completely outsourced. Then we could, then we move to the other end where the meaning is it, kind of related to, to, to that beginning side, but, but the meaning becomes very far too precise, too much. I know we like numbers, Sterling. We like the numbers, but they, they play, they become, they can become problematic when it comes to what the meaning of the match is, okay? And so at the other end, it's like, you know, we're picking out ranking, we're picking out various other score as well. I mean, look, well, you know, we know what the problem, we know that we know that there's no such 
thing as 6364, but linguistically and therefore cognitively and therefore in our consciousness, we refer to a thing called 6364 that's different from 756276. Right. Isn't it? So, yeah. So, so you know, look, that's, that's one side. And then it's fluid, but I'd say not just fluid, it's, you know, it is dynamic, the meaning. And it's more thematic than the, the than um, people think it is. So how do you how do people actually understand the meaning of a match and and how how is it discussed mainly? Like when people discuss the meaning of a match, what do you, what do you think kind of where it goes first? Some most of the time, or maybe maybe just often. I think what people do, Sterling, is that they discuss it negatively and. I think the starting point becomes problematic because it's almost in always posed as a an absolute. If I do, when people say if I don't win this match, then something yeah. What they mean is, of course, if they don't win, they lose, right? So this is right. So if I don't win this match, then I'm not going to move up a division, and that's what the, that that's what it means. So we'll it's. When they discuss, they don't openly discuss the meaning, but the meaning is decided with a negative discussion, be that an ex- a discussion with the coach or even an internal dialogue in their own head. I must win this match because if I don't, that's, that's the starting point. Hmm. And I think, look, this is speculative, but indulge me just for a second. I think... People make the mistake of assuming that if they create conditions, negative conditions, where if they lose, the consequences are so bad, they assume then that they will perform better and be more more motivated not to lose than to win positively. Okay? So what you get a lot of these discussions are, the more this match means, and what they mean is not losing it, yeah, and it being life, or the more, the more I can deceive myself, and I use that in a nice way. I don't mean it in a in a devilish satanic way. Okay, the more I deceive myself into thinking that this match has dramatic consequences, then the more motivated I will be to win, and the less likely I am to lose. That I think is an example of one of the ways that we uh, can conceive meaning and the way that the, that's what I think people talk about with me. They've got this habit of upping the stakes, right? Really, and, and they uh, you can see this happening in lots of other areas of life. It's not just tennis, where people think that they'll be more motivated, right? The more motivated they are, and that's a negative emotion, you know, so it, you know, it, it, it's like it's like going into battle. They they treat it as that that kind of thing. Well, I'm going to be more motivated if I'm going to die. <laughs> I, um, I, 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 I might like be being dramatic there, and, and please, you know, you you, you you might disagree, and I'd, I'd really like to hear the readers, the, sorry, the listeners, the readers, the listeners' views um, on that. But can I look, Sterling? Can I add to that one because I do think it's an important point. If you if 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 um, if you can give me an, another another crack at the whip here because I was referring to this meme 
meaning being a theme running through each match, and that's how you should have the dialogue, right? It changes before the match, you know, you've got a history of meaning, and there's a thread, there's a theme that runs through that changes, it's dynamic, but it's hopefully it's an upward trajectory. But you can see how when you talk to players, there is this tendency for them to be very negative. Right, the meaning of them playing tennis is not to make mistakes. And I've got a rubbish backhand, <laughs> and this theme goes through their matches. Yeah. Yes, the, the, there's this tyranny against them, which is their own body doesn't work properly, and for some reason, it's the backhand that f- fails them the most. And that then, maybe I'm parodying slightly there, but it's certainly I've seen it happen. And they'll go, well, you know, and the meaning is like. Oh, technical collapse. They go out into the match and they go, well, what we've got to, we've got to go out and battle. We've got to hope that our technique doesn't collapse before our opponent. And that becomes the meaning of the match. And it becomes the meaning between matches because then they go out in the practice school and, you know, rehearse and repeat. And that's a consequence as well. And you can see the negative meaning. I think it does stem from what I said earlier. That the more they raise the stakes of the meaning and the more dramatic the consequences, the more they they deceive themselves into thinking that, that, that they'll be more motivated. And that's that true. And, that, and the instances of that are, you know, the technical things. Because you can look, you can your mind during a match under pressure, it can grasp onto these technical flaws because you're never going to hit it right. Yeah. <laughs> and if and if you're watching the you know, if you're judging every shot judging your biomechanics, you know, the, the speed, right? At least the brain's got something to judge because it wants to judge, doesn't it? Yes. Well, that so is, that I is hope- a very interesting point. I like I like the way you're you're carrying that from match to match. Really good, really good. Let me let me swerve into the next section. And I want to ask you about the importance of meaning. And then why is it that you place such a heavy emphasis on understanding the meaning of a match because that's what you're left with when you die (laughs) wow that's the first reason (laughs) sorry i'm I'm guilty of making it more trying to make my point more dramatic by sounding okay i'll put it another way it's always the, the 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 meaning's always with you and it's there with everyone else as well and I'd say it's I, I don't think I'm, I'm going too far when I say it's the source of it, it's, it's the source of motivation. And by motivation, I mean something deeper than the simple, you know, the psychological stuff that we see, you know, the, you know let's, let's get psyched up here. You know, I don't mean that motivation in that way. I mean, something deeper than that. It's what moves us from match to match. What is it that keeps me competing? It's the meaning. It's not an addiction. It's not, oh, because I really like it or I love it. No, that is not going to get you through. At one point, that will leave you. Meaning is important because it is that constant that drives us through. It's the story that drives us through our tennis playing lives. And, and you know, even when we stop playing tennis, we still have that meaning that I was a tennis player. I want to just jump in there right quick because I've got to give a an example of a a discussion I had just yesterday with a a 15-year-old young lady. And 
we're out there and she's work, we're working on some patterns and she's, she's working on some tweaking with her forehand and her serve. And all of a sudden I just, I just felt like I needed to just stop the session and just, we came to the net and I go, can I ask you why you're out here playing and improving your game? Like why, what are you trying to achieve here? Cause I, I sense this sort of striving from her and just, she became a little frustrated and I'm like, so really while I was really asking her, what is the meaning of this? Why are you here? And so we, it led us on this discussion of, well, ultimately I'd like to play college tennis. So that's my goal, right? So that, so I, I got her to sort of go into the, go into her mind and think about why she was actually there. Why is she there wanting to get better? She even said, I'm here to get better. I'm like, but why? Like you can you brag you want to brag to your friends? Do you want to please your parents? Do you you want to please me as your coach? Like, what's the meaning of this? Why are you why are you out here working so hard and 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 here every week, multiple times a week? And it was a really refreshing. I think it, it, she was stunned a bit because she's like, Of course, you know, coach, why I'm why I'm here. But I wanted to hear it from her, from her lips, right? Because I think that. Many times, young players need to be able to voice why they're doing what they're doing, why they're trying to be more competitively intelligent, why they're trying to make that serve a little bit faster, a little bit more spin. And they need to define it because they need to own it. They need to own their own meaning of, of, of why they want to play a competitive match, right? I think, I think what you just said is very important and it's critical to moving forward. And so that leads me to the next question that I have for you today is what do you think, Dan, are some of the consequences if we're not understanding meaning? I think there's one one huge problem and several small ones. And I think one of them is that you misunderstand what, if you misunderstand the meaning or you've got a relationship with the meaning that isn't necessarily your own interpretation of the meaning, then you're going to struggle to understand what the match itself, the individual match that's coming up, is actually about. But it also means you'll continually misunderstand what the actual match that you're competing in is about. And what that means is that you're not really going to be able to, I say meaningfully understand, but that's getting circular. You're not going to be able to fully utilize your competitive intelligence and understand really how to, how to invoke and use the principles that we, that we discussed in the art of winning, right? You're not going to be able to see that the, you know, provoking errors from your opponent is the context for matches. Can you give uh, me, let alone understanding yeah, so you're not going to be able to understand the subtleties either. So the first strike, for example, you you will probably understand the score or be very closely linked to the game score in a way that distorts what's happening on the ground to your detriment. You're not going to be able to understand momentum. You're not going to be able to understand the first strike principles if somehow the meaning is distorted or not really understood properly, or you're not used to thinking about what the match means. It's actually going to distort everything else. And I think it will 
It will encourage you to sprint through games. It will also really make it difficult for you to negotiate the closeness of a match, I think, because you misunderstand. I think you're in danger, not always, but you are in danger of misunderstanding what competition is for and what it does at a certain level. And, and, and in tennis, it's, it's about negotiating that closeness and having, it, having an edge and having rehearsed and identified, identifying areas where you can improve and have a margin, a small margin over your opponent. But I do think that's, those are the consequences for me. Can I give you another one before <laughs> I keep, yeah. keep piling these on? A lot of people, I think, they'll, they'll be familiar with the book, the, the Inner Game of Tennis. And I bring that up now because I think it has an interesting, there's an interesting point in there. And one of its main arguments is that you've got two selves there, the self one and the self two. The self one's the conscious one, and you know, the, the, it's the brain. And then you've got the body, and the brain interferes with the body. I think on that level, on, with, with, with that concept that we have from the inner game, we've got, you've got some way to... You can go somewhere to understanding what the problems of a cognitive process and the consciousness going and causing problems for you as a tennis player by interrupting these the, these uh, biomechanic processes. So yeah, your brain your brain interferes with the body in the wrong way. That's so that, that, that's that's yeah. what I say. That's what I say he, he does in that book. But yeah, so there are I think there are a lot of consequences of misunderstanding meaning i'm not going to sit here and just make a very rigid list of them you know point but this will happen this will happen because it doesn't work like that well can i give you an example maybe of that and if it's not you can correct me i was watching another match uh while we were down there it was actually the match right in front of me and then pierce was on the court behind that yeah. so between pierce's points i was watching these two boys play in front of me and they're both 16 and I was watching that the, there was a smaller player and I thought, you know, he was striking his forehand really well. And if, he was making some errors. And it's at one point he makes this forehand error and he literally yells out at himself. I'm so bad today, man, your forehand, where's your forehand, dude? That's what he said. And I'm like, that's weird. He must be watching or interpreting a different match than I'm watching. and. How can that I know be? the feeling, man. Yeah, how can that be, man? Like, I'm watching this player play, and and in my perception here, I mean, he's making a lot of forehands. He's hitting, he's winning a lot of points with his forehand, and all of a sudden, he just yells out, my forehand's so bad today. Why, wow, you can't hit a forehand. What is wrong with you? You're so bad. By the way, this would, kid actually... He would only, like, uh, yeah, but he, he would only make... I think, right? for Sterling, I think that young man would really only make that outburst if, that is a theme, a meaning-based theme running through it because you can tell that, that that's what I said you know, a, a little earlier about these negative things creeping in to meaning, the meaning discussion. And then it becomes, oh, did my forehand, you know, it's a question whether my forehand stood up technically or not. That's what's going on in that young man's head, I would imagine. And it's almost certainly going to be a product of what's gone on in, in the past. Because he, what that match will mean, at least in part, not maybe totally, at least in part, is a battle between his biomechanical, technical abilities 
But there you get another example of a problem where they've got that where the attitude to error becomes very distorted. It's the de- errors demonized when 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 you don't have the context. Yeah, you don't have the context of a meaning, or at least a discussed meaning, or a, you know this process of understanding what a meaning is. You just get this series of kind of immediate thoughts and emotions and memories, and you know, and you just recall back to the past, and that's where the theme comes from of a bad forehand and I'm you know errors. Yeah, so there you go. There's there's another one. Um, it's an attitude towards error that's negative. Yes, I, I agree that that I think that's a very good point that made there in that example really good all right let's keep this rolling let's move on to the last section you you talk about this in the book dan Mm. you talk about meaning is outsourced can you explain this a little bit further today yeah my i'm i remember several but it was about two years ago before we really started um honing down what was going to be in the book um i was sitting down with my friend uh, robin i hope he doesn't mind me using his name he knows who he is, but he's been quite instrumental in developing these ideas because I think Robin represents, he's a good player, but he's been improving quite dramatically and it's been great, you know, working with him um, and he's helped develop some of the concepts that the art of winning now uh, gives to the world. But I said to he said to me, I've got this important match coming up. <laughs> there we were. Love Lost it. Wine. Like I, and, you know, I hadn't put pen to paper on this. Before I, I had in, I had when I did my book on running um, back in 2013, 2012, 2013, uh, where I noticed that that meaning was a, potentially a very interesting area for competitors um, to look at. So he said to me, "Look, I got a, I got this really important match coming up," and I said, "Okay, why is it important?" And he said, "Well, it's the second time." He gave me a list of reasons. One of them, this is the second time I played this player. And I beat him the time before. Now we all know, we all know us tennis, you know, when we do our, you know, our tennis psychology stuff, the last person that you want to play is the person you beat the time before. That, is, is that right? Would I you, mean, I'd do any, I'd do anything to, avoid, you know, cause it's, um, it's, it's horrible, isn't it? But anyway, that was reason number one. Reason number two was that if he won this one, he's in a very commanding position in division or league number three, yeah? That means that he will go, to, almost certainly go into number, number division two, which is the, that's, you know, the uh, the height of his ambition at the moment. We've really peaked it. Everything that we've done up until this point, you can see where it, the conversation goes anyway. So it's build up, build up, build up, build up. And I noticed that there's this tendency, what you know, with, not just Robin, but a lot of players is that they they want to, they talk to me and they big the match up under the assumption I think that they were trying to convince themselves and me that the more the match meant the, the harder that they would try and more motivated they would be not to lose it. So that's the mechanism that's going on. But the starting point was the meaning of the match was outsourced, right? So the, what the match meant, it meant the same to, to, to the opponent as it did to Robin. And what it meant was a the result would be very important and they'd move up a league. Yeah, that's taken as the meaning of the match. That's what this, this one means. Okay, quite a rigid meaning. And that's what I mean by outsourcing it. Players, don't, 
you know, you get into that habit all the time of, well, this match means whatever other people says it say it means, whether they're saying that explicitly, like the, the dad to the child, this match means there's a lot riding on this match. Yeah. And the equally it could mean that, you know, that it, well, we think that the match has got its own meaning, right? That the match itself, this thing that hasn't happened yet, has got its own meaning. It has in a way, but so in in light of that, do we uh, do we sometimes assume that the match and then what the match means are the same thing? So, like the actual match that we're about to play, and oh, then that's, what a very, that- that's a very good point, Sterling. I like that one. Yes, yeah. But I want pe- I want listeners to think about that. Can we say that again? Yeah. So sometimes we wait. We look at a match that's coming up. We look at the competitive match, and we say that that the match and then what the match means are the same thing. Can you expand? Because that sounds a bit confusing when you say it like that. Okay. I, I, I might better put it another way then. Players unquestionably accept that the match itself provides meaning. That. The match itself on its own provides the meaning or perhaps the context of the match. So it might be a league match. It might be in a league or in a tournament. It's round four. This is round four. And round four is meant to provide the meaning, isn't it? It's round four, for God's sake. My God, the next round is going to be the quarterfinal. The quarter, you can see the drama, the quarterfinal. Well, well, you know what that means, don't you? And no, no one ever goes, no, I don't know what that means. Can you explain it to me, please? I don't know what quarterfinal actually means. Why is it different from the round before? Mm. Well, it must be, mustn't it? Because it's more important. Well, why? No, no, it's, do you see what I mean? It's the, it's the match or the context of the match or the situation itself. Yes. We assume produces the, ma- the meaning as if they are, the, you know, the meaning and the, and the, the quarterfinal is the same thing. That's what yeah. I think. No, that's very good. And, and, and we do, obviously, there's, we place more value on the finals than the semifinals because pros get paid more money if they win the finals versus semis. But that's just, that's just a way to sort of quantify meaning. But what is, how is that different from like how we go into that match? Because like, you know, I know like Nadal always typically says, you know, every match to him is, is, is a meaningful moment for him. Right. Like, and, and so do we, do we, are we tricking ourselves by trying to just say, oh, every match is the same or important or like, are we, are we trying to, are we trying to divert? We've got to kind of like the essence of what I want, wanted to say today. Okay. and. There's no right, there's certainly no right or wrong answer about this, but what we what we want to do is, or what I want to say to people is that it's worth having a dialogue about meaning because you do have some control over what this match means. I don't think you should aim to totally control it like this, yeah, because that's not going to work. Right. And look, the quarterfinal is more important than the round before. Let's be honest, it is. Yes. But what I'm saying is, and you can try this as an experiment, and I did this with Robin at that at that dinner party, and I convinced him, and he actually went on to win the match. I think had he lost the match, he would have still got the point, okay? It's not that he won it, but the point was taken. I said, look, 
can I offer you an alternative meaning to this match? And he said, go ahead. And I said, well, what if we could, could we equally say that this match is a good opportunity to see if your opponent had learned uh, or had managed to counteract some of the first strike patterns that you put to him in the previous match and won? Do you think that those can be repeated? Do you think that you should try new ones? What about if we do look at the previous encounter with him where we saw that you kind of let him back in, you gave away too many 30 loves? What about if we approach the meaning of the match in that way? And I think that's a more healthy way of doing it, Robin, because, you know, that's on the improvement curve for you. So the meaning is about the improvement and, and where we are and how we can see how much we've grown from the last match, uh, you know, our competitive intelligence has grown. And that's, a, that's I'd say it's a better benchmark. I'm not saying that it's not an important match, though, because that would be, you know, that, that would be silly, wouldn't it, really? I mean, it is an important match, yes. Of course. But let's, what I'm saying is you can, I'd say, not change the meaning or control it, but cultivate it a bit better by putting to the forefront something other than this outsort this meaning that's been determined by other people. Let's have our own one here. Maybe it might stand up to the outsourced meaning because the outsourced meaning is still meaning. It's still there. I don't think it has to win a battle, but it's you know we we kind of want to be in the headspace towards the meaning that Robin and I were discussing about first strike patterns. That I think is a healthier dialogue and a more productive and durable way of looking and approaching meaning. Would, would you agree with that? Have you had, you've had similar experiences, I think, haven't you? Yes, of course. I mean, we had, I had this experience with Pierce this past weekend. Are you de- continually improving your developing of your, of your patterns at the beginning of each match? Because his patterns at the beginning of each match, he, he, he starts out very similar. You know, why not? Right, because you, you're not really sure how this opponent in front of you is going to. Res- they're not going to necessarily respond in the same way as your last opponent. They're not the same person. You're playing a completely different personality. Uh, their mind works differently. Not every human being in front of you that you play are exactly the same. They're not going to interpret what you're doing the same. They're not even going to see it the same way. They may not even see it at all. Right. So, do you think that uh, with your example with Robin? especially like improving your understanding of, of meaning, like how you can define meaning yourself or, or re redirect the meaning, if you will, from the outsourced one that may be coming in from the outside. You think that relates to improving your competitive intelligence? Yes, it, it, it does. But in, I think in a very interesting way and one that, one that I think totally un, un, underexplored in tennis. You know, this question that we've, been, that we've been looking at today, this question of meaning, it is, it's the bed in which competitive intelligence lies, really, meaning. It's what gives it the colour. It, 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 it brings competitive intelligence, its human side, but in a non-technical way, because a lot of what we discuss is, I, I don't mean bi- biomechanically technical, like... Uh, stroke production and technique. But what we talk about a lot of in the book, for good reason, 
you know, there's an, there's a numerical measurement and scoring element to it that is different from traditional tennis uh, coaching. But I think there is then this side, the meaning side of of the equation, and we can we can put other things uh, in there as well on that side uh, that we want to discuss. And they 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 bring like the human, right? The you know what 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 are the emotional challenges that you face? Because you're going to have them, right? You are, and they're not necessarily going to. You can't really quantify them and, and 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 do them. I think they they help. I think having a technical numerical measurement first strike and principled way of approaching is absolutely essential, and that becomes the content of what we do, and and, and it works. And obviously, we get results, but with meaning, we're not looking and and and. Are um, are using and cultivating our emotions and and so on. That doesn't necessarily have a result in the same way. But I do think people try and apply what happens here in the technical side and the content side to things like meaning and the psychological, right? In a way that doesn't work, and it and it leads to more problems. I think, and that way. If 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 we look at it this way, and that, you know, this is young. This is young in, ten, in in tennis. It's not talked about really in traditional tennis terms. So, yeah, we can we can start the dialogue and start the conversation. And interesting things come up. But I want to move. I I, I kind of want to steer my players away and, and 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 coaches to think about having a dialogue with the players and seeing as that as a dynamic one, but getting into a way of thinking that can contextualize and motivate the player in a, in, in a different way, because that's what it can do. Those those discussions often they're not easy to have, and, and and players it will differ dramatically in the way that they approach this exercise. Some will not want want to know or ever have this conversation or go anywhere near it. But then that means that we can do that in a different way. That's excellent. So I want to wrap today up with uh, our conclusion here on what can actually be done moving forward. So here's my question. What would you like people to be able to do, Dan, after listening to the podcast today and hopefully reading the book in this relation with meaning? Okay. What I'd like people to do is to conduct their own thought experiment to you know to ease their way into this this way of thinking. What I want you to do is I want you to look at um, your upcoming match, your next one, and observe what you think it means. Not give it its own meaning artificially, but what does that mean automatically right now to you? Write it down even. Then what I want you to do is give yourself one, two, or maybe even three different meanings. Okay, what are three different types of meaning that this match could have? Don't try and beat the first one that you wrote down, but just give three different ones and then think about it a bit more about the coming match. Think about it in in those three conditions. And then what I want you to do is if you've got if you've got the chance and the um, inclination is to talk about them with someone else. That can be the coach, parent or peer, friend. See what happens. That's what I would like you to do. And that way, you know, you can find your own way of doing it. But it certainly will help you stop outsourcing the meaning of the match from the beginning. And maybe some 
avoid some of these negativity traps that, that can occur and at least play a part in writing your own story, okay? Or at least you can write the part that you can because circumstance will provide the other. That is excellent, Dan. I I, I want to go do this with my players as well the rest of this uh, weekend and into next week and focus with them on helping them define maybe even a new meaning for themselves, um, something that's different and just get them to expand their idea of meaning and what this next match may mean to them. So excellent, excellent. I enjoyed this discussion uh, immensely today. I do want to share with all the listeners, um, remember, you can go to Amazon, get the book, The Art of Winning Tennis in various formats. We have the paperback. I got the hard copy. I love the hard copy. I've been opening it up. It just feels good in the hands. Uh, it's really awesome. I have the paperback as well. Obviously, you can also get the Audible version. That I highly encourage you to, even if you get the printed version, grab the Audible. Uh, Dan does the reading. You did a fabulous job. Loved oh, thank it. Thank you. Uh, it's just great. Getting a lot of feedback from the Audible. People are loving it. You can listen to it in the car as you commute in your travels there. Dan, can you tell us a little bit more about what else that people could do and maybe join the Art of Community, Art of Winning Community online? Yeah, if you go to the um, artofwinningtennis.com, uh, we've, we've still got an offer available. Uh, it won't be lasting that long. And you can, you can actually sample some of um, um, Sterling's games. The competitive intelligence games for nothing, and they are they, they are they are invaluable. They are they're, they're really good, and we give we give you access to those um, for a very long time. Also, we are we are having a very exciting spring coming up with them. Um, we're going to be revamping our subscription offer, but also it's time for the course as well. The course, and that's going to change your life. Okay. So we're working hard to get this course completed and we want to do it right. We want to offer it. It's, we want it to be very meaningful for everyone who, who uh, decides to, to take it. Can you explain a little bit about kind of what we're doing with the course and how it feeds off what we wrote about in the book? Just yeah, so really we're, we're going to be looking in, in more detail about what we call concept shift. At the beginning, so we're going to look at how we can change the way, or really how we can prioritize other things than biomechanical and the technical way of producing shots and movement. And then, we're, then we're going to be looking, and this is this. I wouldn't say it's the most important part of the course, but it's really good. Data analytics, okay? Answer winning tennis data analytics. There we're going to go. That's that's step by step. That's a vigorous process. It's not easy. It's incredibly rewarding. But we're going to teach you how it's done and then how you can use it match to match. And more importantly, and coming on to the next section of the course will be, you know, how does this affect the practice court? What are we doing on the practice court? How do we practically implement the data? Look, okay, if there is a most important part of the course is how we use the data from the match onto the practice court and back into the match. So match, practice court, match. How is that done? Okay. You maybe won't have seen we, anything like you won't have seen anything like that. That, that is how 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 it's done. We include there's 
There's tons of audio, there's video. It's, I hope, incredibly well structured, which is why it's taking a little bit more time than we, than, than we, than we imagined uh, having finished it. Well, we, we, yeah, we thought it would be, be done last May, but there you go. That's all right. We're, we're taking our time with this because we want to put out a quality product for you to have. Maybe the next podcast, I don't know if the next one, but I want to do a podcast on the data that I collected from this past Southern tournament and talk about how Pierce and I are taking the data from this tournament and we are taking it back to the practice court next week and implementing and looking at some of the trends that happen that maybe carried from match to match, something that that maybe showed up a little bit more often and how we address that, Pierce and I, on the practice court. So I think that would be a valuable podcast that we could do. And then we could, that could sort of give a sort of sneak preview into maybe what the course we're going to talk about in the course. So Dan, thanks for today. This was amazing. Another great podcast in the files there. So again, if you are listening to the podcast for the first time, go back and go back to the beginning. And, and I think this is our ninth podcast so far. 10th, 10th. So happy birthday. Happy anniversary. (laughs) (laughs) And so go back and listen to some of the others. Um, and, um, we want to hear your feedback as well. We really do. Um, I got a text from Perth, Australia the other day and they're loving it down in there in Australia in the land down under. So we enjoy listening from you and it's great because we're getting some really great feedback. And it's not, you know, it's not like we want all positive. We want to say, okay, what are you guys talking about if you get confused or something? That's yeah, new? but yes. you know, we, we we like we like we like the positives, but really, let's let let's get in there. You know, I want, I, I, you know, we need to be challenged here. You know, this this is a completely new area. I haven't got it right. <laughs> right, for sure. I mean, we're we're growing in this. There's some things that we feel like we figured out, but. Every now and then, someone will come along and say, hey, wait a minute, I have this experience, right? I, I see this going on in my matches. And so it's an opportunity for us to talk about it and collaborate our ideas and yeah, find, we, find a way. I want to address some of those questions in the next podcast, maybe towards uh, towards the end, because they're, they're, they're starting to rack up. I think it would be a good thing to do, wouldn't it? Yes, I think we should definitely do that. Well, anyway, I uh, hope you enjoy today. And we'll see you next time. Thanks, Dan. 